we don't have the, the money that some of the lobbyists are getting from big companies, but we have a voice, and I think that our legislatures will listen to local voices if they have the courage to step forward. This is episode 223 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. The Utah Telecommunications Open Infrastructure Agency, also known as Utopia, began serving North Central Utah in 2004. The regional open access fiber optic network has had its share of challenges since launch, but has slogged through them to now bring healthy competition to residents and businesses in 11 communities. Joining Chris this week are the mayor of one of the Utopia cities, Karen Cronin, from Perry. Roger Timmerman, executive director of Utopia, is also part of the conversation. Our guests share stories about how competition has benefited local businesses and residents. They also describe infrastructure sign-up choices they have as property owners in a Utopia community and what it's like to have more than one or two ISPs at your feet. Now here are Chris, Mayor Cronin from Perry, and Roger Timmerman, Executive Director of Utopia. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today I'm speaking with two wonderful guests from the state of Utah. Roger Timmerman is the Executive Director of Utopia, the Utah Telecommunications Open Infrastructure Agency. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And Perry City Mayor Karen Cronin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be part of the conversation. I'm excited to talk more about what's happening in Utah today. Uh, you've all been trailblazers in open access approaches. And, and Roger, I think you were one of the early trailblazers who's now back with Utopia. Today, we'll talk about the results, particularly in one of the Utopia communities, Perry City. And let's start there. Mayor Cronin, can you please tell me about your community and the Internet access you have there? Yeah, let's start with what the community is like. Um, Perry City is a small city, about 5,000 residents. It's located about 50 miles north of Salt Lake City. And six months ago, we had very limited options for Internet. We had some of the neighborhoods who didn't have any options except for dial-up. Um, and at my house, we, had a, we were on a satellite system where I was getting 5 megabits speed. That's forward a few months and we were able to connect into the the direct line with the Utopia, the direct fiber line. And I now have um, upwards of 250 megabits of speed and as does the whole city. The city was built out in less than four months and so um, we've gone from a dial-up system to the, the cutting edge of what's available. Well, that's remarkable. I'm sure that there are many people listening who would just love to have that kind of capacity available. And Roger, can you help fill in some of the gaps for people who might be unfamiliar with Utopia? What is it? So Utopia, we're a, a group of 11 cities. Uh, Perry City is one of those cities. Uh, these were cities that felt like they were not being served by the incumbents. Uh, it just wasn't the options. They, they felt you know, negative impact of, of uh, businesses leaving their communities in some cases and just not offering, you know, that, that the type of connectivity that they felt was needed uh, to both the businesses and residences. So they, they got together, they created Utopia, and Utopia is an interlocal governmental uh, agency that's made up of these cities, and they built a, a, a massive backbone uh, to connect these cities together and, and could collectively bond for the construction and operations of this network. And the reason they did it that way was, you know, if you think of a city the size of Perry City, 
you know, it's a great city, uh, but it's not very large. And so the, the ability to, you know, put into place a fiber to the home system and operate that, uh, get providers in there, it would be very difficult uh, for, for just one small city to do. But collectively, the cities could get an economy of scale together to attract, you know, service providers, to get an efficiency of operations uh, that would make this work. Uh, Utopia's had a, a difficult past. Um, it initially started up and in, in kind of ran into some funding obstacles. Um, the cities have, have since decided, you know, let's fix some of these things and move forward. It was about five or six years ago we, we took down a new model uh, and, and took down additional debts. And with that, we've been very successful. So for the last six or seven years, Utopia has actually been able to build networks where the revenues from the, the builds of those networks are covering all of the debt service for the, the, the cost of building those networks. And so we're in a great state now where we're now covering all of our operational expenses and all of the incremental debt that we've taken uh, justifies and, and, and sustains the, the growth of the system. Well, Perry City was is one of these cities that's benefited from that in the sense that, you know, we, it hasn't really cost Perry City any additional money other than their original membership in the, the system and, and the collective funding of the cities. But we've been able to build out that entire city, and we're building out very rapidly in other cities in parallel. Um, the nice thing about Perry is that the whole city's covered. They can all get the same, you know, gigabit service. We install gigabit to, to homes and businesses typically. Larger businesses will get 10 gig, and uh, some very large connections we, we support are 100 gig. In a city like Perry, fairly rural, uh, but they could attract, you know, enormous investment from, you know, a data center or a large business or, or an in industrial partner or something because uh, we could deliver 100 gigabit anywhere in that city and actually offer that in a redundant way because of this redundant backbone that was put in collectively by these cities. In Perry City, we have a great number of home businesses. Um, the demographics of Perry City, although it's small, it is uh, one of the high has the highest um, education rate for for its members, and a lot of those people um, work from home. And having this option has brought even more people um, into the city. And um, we have people calling and telling me that they have now had their bosses ask them if they can work from home because their home connection is faster than their at-work connections and they get more done. That's remarkable. Um, I, I always like to hear that. I have to say that one of the things that I love about Utopia, and, and Roger, I'm sure you can't pick favorites, but I can, um, I love that Utopia gives small providers like X-Mission an opportunity to uh, have many more customers. Um, X-Mission's been a guest on this show before. I think they have wonderful privacy policies. I'm um, very bullish. Uh, I like seeing cities that have small historic ISPs like Brigham Net uh, also um, being able to expand and, and to get more customers and to thrive. So I think that's uh, it's an important role from, from my point of view that Utopia really allows local businesses to be very competitive with the big companies like Comcast and CenturyLink that I happen to have here where I'm recording this. And I know that you have out there that they don't always meet local needs in the way that a local provider can. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a major part of why we do it the way we do it. Um, open access is not easy. Um, and it's taken quite a bit of time for Utopia to have a, a good, stable, competitive environment of providers. And today we have 10 companies that come in and compete residentially uh, and about 25 that compete on the business side of things. 
And so Perry by itself, even with just a, if they had fiber at the home, they may not necessarily attract competition on that system. But because of the scale of Utopia, it's big enough to attract this level of competition and enable these, you know, lots of these local providers um, and also some bigger providers um, to all kind of compete under a fair, you know, fiber uh, infrastructure that's been put in place by the cities. Now, that point is is so important because it creates such a win-win um, for the residents. It, by having an open network system, it creates the competition and um, re- it requires you know the the service to be great, the price to be competitive if they're going to stay on um, on that the system and be competitive. But it also allows, like you said, local businesses to be able to play at the same arena that some of the big businesses do and have a fair shake. And so it is uh, a win-win all the way around. Mayor Cronin, do you know of any sort of personal anecdotes of people that have talked about how they're amazed that uh, Perry City has this incredible connectivity available to them and it's enabled them to succeed in ways they might not otherwise have been able to? I can tell you uh, about a business that they, they produce things from the home and then sell them out. And they were saying, telling me that um, before, their Internet power did not allow them to, to have the mass marketing that they wanted and to be as responsive and have um, the, the service level that would sustain their business. And since they've been able to uh, connect to Utopia and then have the ability to to shop around for what suited their business best as far as a provider that they have you know been able to see their internet sales um, increase dramatically you know, Roger I'm curious if I'm a if I'm a resident or a, a business in uh, Perry um, getting connected to you is just a little bit different than I think most people are used to uh, can you walk me through my options as a, as a homeowner for how I would possibly connect to Utopia yeah, so if you're if you live in an area where Utopia is available, uh, you just go to our website, uh, you put in your address, and then it will pull up and show you, you know, here are the services that are available to you from ten different companies. It's kind of just a, you know, a shopping cart uh, of services. So what happens is you sign up for the infrastructure from Utopia, uh, and then we present to you the retail offerings from our our partner service providers, um, and so that you kind of sign you know, two agreements. You're getting infrastructure from the city and, or Utopia collectively and the internet or phone or video or whatever those services are that you want bundled um, from the service provider. So you, you have two two pieces and then, you know, how you pay for your fiber connection, you know, a lot of our customers will say, well, you know, I'll just lease that monthly for 30 bucks and, and there's two-year term, so it kind of looks a lot like what you'd get from other options. Uh, we have some people who pick a different option, and that's where they essentially own their fiber connection. Uh, they would pay up front, uh, you know, a larger amount. Uh, Twenty-seven fifty is actually the amount, and then they never pay for it again. They own their their fiber, uh, and then it just becomes, you know, a very low bill because then they're only paying, you know, thirty-five bucks or something like that to their service provider, and it it would never go up after that. Um, if you're leasing the connection from us, then it starts at about $65 a month for a 250 megabit connection. Um, I say that just as an example of what we have right now, but we don't control those prices, right? The, the beauty of it is it is competitive, and, the, and those retail providers are free to change their prices, you know, whenever they want and be competitive. And that's, you know, we, we struggle because we, 
you know, we try to publish the, the pricing and then they change it. <laughs> so it's a struggle, but it's also the beauty of competition is that they're constantly coming up with different promotions and lowering and raising and adding options and, you know, and they have that freedom to do that. And, and that's uh, one of the beauties of open access. Now, one of the things that as an outside observer is impossible to miss is that you have in your region a uh, nonprofit organization that I suspect largely gets contributions from CenturyLink and Comcast that paints a picture that people in Utah are very frustrated and angry that Utopia wasn't able to pay its way in the way that was expected. Now, Mayor Cronin, I'm just curious, do you get a sense from, from your citizens? Are they are they glad that Utopia exists or would they prefer that they didn't have these options and they didn't have to hear these claims that uh, the network is, is not good? Well, I, I will be honest with you. I mean, it as Roger has mentioned, it had a, a tough start and you know, it was a, a new idea. It was a very forward-thinking idea. And um, for the first couple of years, we were paying into uh, Utopia collectively as one of the original 11-member cities, and we were getting zero service, and that was hard. Um, we we fielded a lot of uh, comments from re- residents. But about three years ago, um, we as the 11 cities came together and said, you know, we, we need to make this, this system work. And we talked through several options. And um, like Roger said, we, we got to a point that we were able to start funding build-out and things. And um, once we had the build-out and once we took it to our residents, um, which was last February, and told them where we had come, I've heard nothing but positive nothing but positive since February. When we rolled it out, we had a town hall meeting. We told them where we had come and the obstacles we had overcome. And at that point, we were able to roll it out that it was totally optional. If people wanted it, great. If they didn't, there was not going to be any uh, extra assessments to them. And um, once they saw the competitive advantage it gave them because of the number of people on the network and having the fiber direct to their home, it, it has has been phenomenal um, excitement in the city. Yeah, I'm I'm not too surprised to hear that. I mean, I've seen that in other places as well. This is a, a, a an infrastructure that's going to last a long time. You know, when I look back, a number of the airports that cities built um, many decades ago, they took a long time to break even, but people were generally glad that they had them available. Um, one of the things that I think people often realize is that you guys were among the first to be doing this and, and the lessons that you learned really helped a lot of other communities to be successful in terms of structuring their programs and, and learning lessons about how to move forward. So, you know, I think in some ways the mistakes that you made were a bit of a public service in terms of teaching others a lesson. But one of the things I want to talk about as we're, we're a little bit running out of time, um, but the time we have left is is that um, you know some of your some of the problems you faced weren't your fault. The state really made it hard on you. And Roger, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about the ways in which um, the state, I think, acting on behalf of some of the big companies that you're competing with, um, actually kind of put its thumb on the scale to make your life more difficult. Yeah, one of the things was uh, you know the prohibition on us offering services directly. Um, you know, we like the idea of open access, but um, you know, it would be possible for us to provide uh, some of the services directly uh, while still allowing competition on the network. Um, it, it was a big curveball at the Utopia cities uh, to get legislation that showed up 
uh, from a legislator that wasn't even in the cities involving Utopia um, that, that put all these restrictions on what cities could do and how they, you know, all all this additional process and red tape that they'd have to go through, have to get the project in place. Um, the legislation has been used as example since then of, you know, how to go buy some legislation. You know, that's you know, it wasn't even in the conversation uh, in Utah among citizens and legislators. It was brought in and, and, and given to legislators, uh, you know, to, to push in behalf of uh, private interests. Brendan Greeley wrote a great article in Business Week many years ago, and it's entitled "Wanna Buy a Law." And if people Google that, I have no doubt they will find it. And it's a, it's exactly as you describe it. And I think it's worth reading. Uh, but please continue. Yeah, so so that was the initial obstacle. And so, you know, open access, is, like I said, we like it. Uh, it does present a scalability issue. You know, there's less dollars coming to Utopia to cover our investments. And so it, it, it's it's a good model. It's a more difficult model. And that has, you know, the biggest problem that Utopia's had has been financial. So that, that's been a problem for us uh, since that time. It seems like every year or two years, another piece of legislation shows up. Uh, trying to further restrict uh, what we can do, um, and, and you know it's it's a fight. You know we don't have a budget like uh, the private companies do uh, to go and, and lobby and push for uh, influence at the legislation level, and and it's really an interesting contrast because among residents, populations in our cities, and among businesses even, Utopia is extremely popular, and the incumbents are the most hated companies in America. Uh, among legislators, the incumbents are really popular. <laughs> you can imagine why that is, you know, because of, you know, whether it's, you know, campaign contributions or influence among, uh, you know, different groups. Weekly golf trips. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it, it's night and day between the citizens and the legislators mm -hmm. and how what their interactions are with the incumbents. Right. Mayor Cronin? Um, I remember a couple of years ago when there was a piece of legislation that was going to pass that was going to greatly affect the, the way that we could promote Utopia as the 11 cities. And the 11 uh, cities banded together and went and talked to the legislature. Um, and, and I think it was because of that, because of the local involvement, that the legislatures, uh, legislators listened and gave us a little bit more time and didn't pass that piece of legislation. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is. If people want local control, then the local elected officials are going to need to be involved and make things happen. We don't have the, the money that some of the lobbyists are getting from big companies, but we have a voice, and I think that our legislatures will listen to local voices if they have the courage to step forward. I think that's a really good point. It, it, it's not enough to just be right. You have to make sure that you're um, raising your voice up as as local elected officials and as just citizens to say, um, you know, this is this is our point of view. Because as as we discussed, the legislators they hear from the big companies every day, and so they need to hear from multiple constituents every day on these issues as well. Uh, in order to even just think that they're similar uh, in terms of importance, uh, in terms of policy preferences. I think that we're about out of time, but uh, I'd love to just give you another chance to say anything else that you'd like to say as we finish off the discussion. Um, let me start with you, Roger. You know, it's an exciting time uh, in the, the space of municipal fiber. Um, what we've seen just 
in our own area is that the demand for the service is higher than it's ever been. Um, you know, we started this thing back in 2002, and back then people were still trying to figure out what fiber was and what the benefits were, and and there was even a major population that didn't use it. Um, and, and you know, now it's just it's a given. I mean, everyone wants internet connectivity. They don't just want it, but they want good speeds and they want good service. And so, you know, over time it's become, you know, legitimized and we see that in the form of increased demand. Uh, and, and then we see, well, what, where's the rest of the industry? Where are the incumbents and other options? And it seems that they're actually falling further behind. I mean, you go back, you know, 10 years and these incumbents were not the most hated companies in America. You know, things have, have gotten worse for them, not better. And rather than upgrade and compete, we see an increased and deliberate effort to stop municipal progress in building fiber projects. And so it's, uh, it's good in the sense that, you know, the, the success, uh, and, and, and uh, demand for municipal fibers is increased, but there's also an increased threat because there's a lot of work, like I said, being done, uh, to preserve incumbent interests. So, you know, it's, it's great. We're, we're seeing successes here. Our financials are better. We're in a position where we're actually growing uh, faster than we've grown in the past uh, through our whole history. And so, you know, things are good. Uh, we have other cities that are now, you know, looking uh, to, to partner with us in different ways. And that wasn't a conversation we could have in the past because of the, the past difficulties. And I think you'll see Utopia continue to grow and be successful. I think you'll see efforts like Utopia throughout the country, you know, start up and, and have success. Excellent. And parting thoughts from Mayor Cronin? You know, I think in the world we live in today, we are seeing that the rate of technological advances is at warp speed. And in, in order to um, be competitive and stay up at, at the forefront, we need to allow the free enterprise system to work and not put legislation in place that may limit that free enterprise system because I would put Perry out there as one of the success stories, a small rural community of 5,000, and yet now we have the capability through the Utopia network and the open market to be able to have um, 100 gigabyte connections and uh, redundancy and you know multiple providers, and that puts us on the map to be able to support you know some of the biggest companies that are looking at um, trying to locate in in the west it it's a, a great thing and we have benefited um enormously well thank you both for taking time to to come on and share your your experiences and the the message of hope that's coming out of uh, northern utah thank you for allowing us to talk with you chris yes thank you chris that was mayor cronin from perry and roger timmerman executive director of utopia talking with chris about the utah telecommunications open infrastructure agency Check out their website at utopianet.org to learn more. We also have a number of stories about Utopia on muninetworks.org. Remember, we have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us with your ideas for the show. Send a note to podcasts at muninetworks.org. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at MuniNetworks.org. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the podcasts in the ILSR podcast family on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. 
Never miss out on our original research by also subscribing to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. Thank you to the group Mojo Monkeys for their song Bodacious, licensed through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 223 of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. <laughs>